unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my service this morning. Thank you for being here, especially if you're visiting with us. Thank you for taking out the time to be part of our service today. Uh, we want to be sure to let everyone know about the passing of Brother Don Dawson. Uh, his funeral will be tomorrow. Visitation at 10 o'clock. Uh, funeral will be at uh, 12 o'clock and that's at the, uh, the funeral home uh, not water. Keesler. Keesler Funeral Home here in Boonville. Uh, that'll be at 12 o'clock tomorrow at, at the funeral home. 
We come together this morning to worship the Lord. Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all of the things that you do for us. We're thankful for this congregation of your people that meets here. We pray that we can always be that shining light on the hill to show others the love of Jesus in this community. Be with us as we enter into our service today. May all that we do be in accordance with your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. First song this morning is, uh, if you're singing out of the book, 538 in this book, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. <clears throat> all sing. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Hold Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness fills its lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds wet in the veil. Hold Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Hold Christ the solid rock, I stand all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. <clears throat> Next song is number 480. 480. My uh, monitors are not on. I'm singing the first, second, and last verse of every song, unless uh, it's different. I can't see up there. So, Number 480. Blessed Assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Herald of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all a day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. 
perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This time we'll go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Bow with me, please. Most beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. God, we thank you for the beautiful weather you blessed us with today. We're thankful this morning that we get to come here to this place, that we live in a country, in a state, in a community. God, where we can come and worship you without fear of persecution. And God, this morning we're especially thankful for the hope that you've given each of us. Not just the hope of eternal salvation, that we will have a home in heaven with you, God, but thankful for the hope that we have to face each day without being alone. The hope we have that knowing you're with us to face our fears each and every day. God, you know where we are weak, and we ask that you make us strong. We ask that you please forgive us when we fail you. And God, we just ask that you help us get a little bit better every day. And this morning, God, we pray that you will focus our hearts and our minds on the lesson that Brother Ken's about to present. And we thank you for the gift that you've given him in the ability that he has to so clearly present your word to us. Please be with us as we come to you in worship and forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're singing from the book, <clears throat> you want to mark the uh, invitation song. It's 936, 936, Lord, I'm coming home. Song before the lesson is leaning on the everlasting arms, number 589. 
If you'd like to, willing and able, and want to stand for this song, just stand for it. If not, remain seated. <clears throat> what a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arm. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arm, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarm, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arm. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arm. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arm, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarm, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arm. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arm. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arm. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarm. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. I'll be reading First John. Chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth our fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Good morning, everyone. You just have such pretty faces today. I love the smiling faces of the Boonville Church of Christ. But there is sadness here because Don Dawson, who has been struggling for so long with various illnesses, succumbed to those and has passed from this life to the next. Don was, he was a sweet man, wasn't he? He was a kind and gentle soul, a real tribute to the congregation, a blessing to all of us. And so our hearts are with Brenda in her physical loss, but we anticipate 
seeing him again, don't we? I hope if you're able, I know you, many of you all are going to be working, but if you are able to be at that service tomorrow, I hope that you will, just as a, a tribute to that family and the difficulties they have borne up and still go with smiling faces. And then yesterday, these waters were moved. About 5 p.m., Jonathan Hutchins. Jonathan, raise your hand right there. There he is. Jonathan was baptized when he was a very young person. And in the time since, he's just had doubts about his salvation, whether he really obeyed the gospel as had been pointed out in the scriptures. Uh, did he do it peer pressure or, or whatever? And of late, that has become a real burden on his heart and his mind. And he wanted to be sure about his salvation. And so he invited me to come and baptize him yesterday for the remission of his sins. Now, I want us to understand this is not what some people would refer to as a rebaptism. This is a baptism. So in the doubt regarding his salvation, we put that doubt aside and the blood of Jesus washed his sins away. And when he came up out of that water, he came up a new person. And that new person sitting right there beside his mother. And it was beautiful to see Marilyn and Martha and Jamie, his port system, here to witness that transformation. In fact, even Bo Gross was here. <laughs> so we rejoice in that, don't we? To know that our reward is in heaven and Jonathan, yours is too. And Anita and I went on a road trip the last week and we had a great time up until the very end. And that is when Anita's mother she has COPD, real struggle with her lungs to begin with. She's on oxygen and she had what they call a COPD exacerbation, which just simply means that her lungs were under such strain, she really could get no oxygen. She was very bad shape. And so they put her in the hospital and I came on back, Anita's staying with her mother until such time as she gets out of the hospital and then Lord willing, and please you pray about this. <laughs> when she gets to feeling better, she has promised to come with Anita here, at least for a time. Now, the reason I want you praying about that is because something similar to this and these kinds of promises have been made before. And then, you know, when you get to feeling better, you're like, well, I don't need to go down there to Boonville. I'm doing great. Please pray <laughs> that she doesn't come to that conclusion, that she will make the determination to, to come in and be here. Because I think that you are just what she needs to feel better. Okay, that's all I have to say about all of that. Uh, Doug is not here today. He is in a gospel meeting in Adamsville. So we want to pray for these things. We want to pray that Doug's meeting is a terrific success 
that he'll be safe and he'll come back to us. And of course, as always, we're going to pray God will help us today as we are studying his word, that that word will be effective in us. And I, I appreciate so much the song selections today that just really hit the mark. I was deeply moved by Guy's prayer, weren't you? And I'm just praying that God will use these things to touch all of us today. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for another day, another opportunity. Your grace is sufficient, but sometimes we are stubborn. Yet here we are in this place with the purpose of worshiping you in spirit and in truth. And we pray, Father, that not only will worship be effective in glorifying you, but that your word will be alive in us and that we will hear your message today and that we will reach forward against all of our fears. Lord, we have immediate concerns. We pray your blessings on the Dawson family, especially in the coming hours and days. We thank you for Don's life and the tremendous example of humility that he lived before us. We pray your blessings on Jonathan as he is striving to walk in the light with you faithfully. And I pray that we will be a source of strength and encouragement to him. I pray your blessings on Ruth Staley, that her health will increase, that she will get better and be out of the hospital soon. And if it's your will, that she and Anita can make a safe trip here and that she can recuperate here. And Lord, we pray for Doug as maybe in this very hour, he is preaching your word. And we pray that your message in this meeting will be effective and that he will be able through that word to do a tremendous work to your glory. Lord, I pray that you'll bless us as we enter into our own study. Help me, Lord, to share and to communicate in a way that's understandable and in portions that everybody can use. And I pray, Lord, for those who hear your message today, that they will be strengthened and that ultimately they will be able to overcome their fears. Thank you for the blessing that your word is to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this may not be working today. We shall persevere. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, those opening words are so beautiful, aren't they? There is no fear in love, but perfect love. It overcomes, it conquers, it casts out fear. No fear in love, perfect love casts it out. It's interesting, all of us, to one degree or another, are born with natural fear in us. There is the fear of falling. There is the fear of abandonment. 
A child has natural fears built in for its own protection. But as we grow older, as we experience the world that's around us, fraught with all kinds of issues and threats, other fears develop in us. We have the fear of rejection by others. We have fears related to our health. We don't want to get sick, have a debilitating illness. We don't want to have an injury that will render us unable to function as we desire. And ultimately, there is that great fear, the fear of death. Mothers tend to have fear related to their own children. I want my children to be safe. I want to, I want to have a hovering protection over them. And fathers who are responsible to their families fear that they'll not be able to provide sufficiently for the needs of everyone in the family. Lots and lots of complicated fears that develop in the course of our lives. Now, when you read the word fear in the New Testament, as it was used here in our text, it's actually translated from the word phobos, and that may ring a bell in your ear. Typically in the English, it's rendered phobia. Now, phobia usually represents an irrational fear of something that probably won't harm us, but over the course of time, we become so worried about the thing that's the object of our fear that we can become paralyzed. We can become overwhelmed with the fear that something is going to happen, when in most cases it never will happen. There actually is an entire branch of science that deals with fears, and I think most of us have the idea that there are all of these categories of fears and every fear is named, but come to find out, actually, that's not the case. Clinicians often name a fear just simply when it develops. So what they do is they take that word phobia and it becomes a suffix. They put it at the end of a word that's connected with either a Greek or a Latin word. So here's an example of how it might go. Let's say you are afraid of water. So water is the word hydro. You just put phobia with that. So if you have the fear of water, you have hydrophobia. Spiders are arachnids. So if you have an irrational fear of spiders, you have, well, put those words together, arachnophobia. I was in my office one time, sitting there minding my own business, and I just pushed away from my desk, going to reach for something else, and something caught my eye. I looked down at my thigh, and right there was a spider that was this big. <laughs> well, it was actually this big, but it looked this big. And my immediate reaction was to swat the spider away. And that's exactly what I did. Just horrified and screaming at the top of my lungs, I took action and swatted the spider away, which then became the worst thing I could have possibly done 
because now I've got a spider in my office that's this big and I don't know where he is. And I'm not kidding. This just, I'm not afraid of hardly anything, but spiders, I sat in my chair paralyzed. Irrational fear. This little thing isn't going to hurt me. But it took a while for me to catch my breath and get my bearings and actually settle my heart rate down so that I could function again. And still, I I never found the spider. And in the back of my mind, he's always lurking, waiting to attack. It's it's irrational. It's really not harmful to me. But there's something within me that just creates a horror when I see any size spiders, especially when I know there's one, but I don't know where it is. You know that there's actually the fear of fears? So that would be phobophobia. All of us probably have irrational fears about us uncertainties. And since we don't understand it, or we can't grasp it or control it, it becomes, if it goes to its farthest extent, it becomes an obsession with us and something that's very difficult, very difficult to overcome. People who have too much time and study these things say that about 40% of the things that we are afraid of will never, ever, ever happen. I've seen on my road trip so many bumper stickers that are warning me about the zombie apocalypse. Well, I've got news for you. If you are in that 40% who's worrying about the undead, set aside that fear. That's not going to happen. You're wasting your time worrying about it and stockpiling, figuring out how you're going to stay away from the infection. They say that 30% of people who have fears actually have fears that develop out of things that happened in the past. It no longer exists, and yet they're still obsessed with it. That's something that you cannot change. So why are you spending time worrying over that thing? About 12% of people have fears that are the result of criticisms. Someone said something about you or to you, something that you needed to change, and maybe you're having a hard time doing that, and because of it, you just, you focus on it. It becomes a greater and greater problem in your life. It becomes, it becomes a paralyzing fear in you. Again, most criticisms or about things that maybe aren't even true. We're probably wasting our time dwelling on it. Now, they say 10% of the things that we fear are related to our health. And you know, if you are fearful of something that's happening to your health, that fear itself can also contribute to the problems that you are having physically. And so that just becomes self-defeating. When you boil it all down, finally, these statisticians tell us that about 8% of the things that you are afraid of 
are actually things that you should give attention to. Now, imagine this. What if you could take that 92% that you are wasting your fear on to dwell on the 8% that actually might be something with 100% focus on that, maybe we realize, well, you know what, really, that's not that big a deal either. Fear can be irrational. Fear can be debilitating. But this text says that there is a remedy for fear. And that remedy for our fear is what he describes as perfect love. So today, I want to do just a simple examination. I want to share with you some things that we would consider to be healthy fears. And then I want to follow that up with some things that are abnormal fears. And then finally, let's look at some ways in which we can overcome this and enjoy that perfect love that is described here in our text. Okay, so let's talk first about some healthy fear. Fear in its proper place is actually not just healthy, it's necessary. For instance, when people have fear over illness, and you and I both know that there's been quite a bit of fear related to the the coronavirus and other things. And now we're, we're worried that something worse will come down and, you know, just obsessed. Well, the thing about that obsession is that it motivates, it promotes scientific study. And so, you know, a lot of advances medically come as a result of fears that we have over illnesses that develop. I, I would say that in the long term, that fear that prompts scientists to seek for a cure, that, that's a good thing. Or we fear war. You know, we don't want to be embroiled in a conflict that will cost lives. Those fears actually prompt politicians to sit down and try to to negotiate or come to a common ground in order to establish peace and not to slip into conflict. And of course, parents, uh, they're very concerned about the safety of their children. So what they do is, as they carry their children along in their lives, they warn their children about the dangers that they face. For instance, your child's in the kitchen, you know, don't touch the burner, it's hot. Or your child's uh, out camping with you and you're like, don't go over to the edge of the cliff there, that's dangerous. Or, you know, don't step on a crack and break your mother's back. All of those, wait, that, that's one of those irrational fears that slipped in there. That one doesn't count, but you understand through life, we want what's best for our children. And so we encourage them and we warn them, but we don't want to create a stigmatizing fear within their life. We want them to face life in a positive and helpful sort of way. Well, the Bible actually mandates certain kinds of fears for us, fears that are important for us in our relationship with God and serving God. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, that scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, that's a healthy respect and and awe-stricken reverence for Almighty God. 
Now, aside from the fact that God is all-powerful and, and has acted in very severe ways toward those who turned their backs on him or who were unfaithful to him, the, the encouragement here is that our, our proper, our healthy understanding of God and respect for God, and yes, fear, even horror for God, is grounded in a pure and true knowledge of him. So seek the knowledge that will come as a result of a healthy fear and reverence for God. Or the wisest man who ever lived in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13 says, well, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. Well, there it is, the course of my life. The thing that I'm to do is to know God and then to put into practice the things that I know God wants me to do. That will create a completeness in me. That'll be the exercise of a healthy fear in me. In fact, Jesus is described in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7 as having lived his life in godly fear. Jesus was the epitome of how one interacts with God the Father. And then as the church began its work of preaching the gospel to the whole world, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 43, we find out there that when the gospel was being preached, that fear came upon every soul. The attitude, the disposition, the mindset toward God is one of feeling up and then the expression of closeness with God who we recognize as a, a God of love, developing that knowledge out of a fear, respect, uh, awe-stricken knowledge of God. Fear is something that ought to very positively motivate us. That's healthy fear. But there's also what you would call an abnormal fear. This is where something has gotten out of place. Uh, maybe we've gone overboard in our reaction to something, and now fear that could have been positive and reap good rewards is now becoming a problem in us. Spiritually, abnormal fear would be a state in which to its end would result in the loss of our eternal reward. In Matthew chapter 25, we have the story of the talents. But in verse 25 of that text, we are centering in on the one talent man. And the scripture there says that he was afraid and he took his one talent and he hid it in the ground. His being afraid resulted in the ultimate loss of that talent. His fear, whatever that fear was, maybe it was the idea that, yeah, you know, I've got this, but I don't have as much as the five talent or the two talent man, and they're never going to respect me, or I'm, I'm not as capable, so I can't do as much. So I tell you what, I'm just going to kind of sit out of the game. Whatever it is that prompted it, he became afraid. He said, I, I just, I'm not going to exercise it at all. I'm just going to hide it away. Wrong decision. Or I'm thinking about 
Well, you won't believe this at first, but we'll have to go back to his beginning. And a man by the name of Moses. Moses, when he is finally called to be a leader, to lead Israel out of their bondage in Egypt to the promised land, he begins making excuses to God. In Exodus chapter 3 at verse 11, verse 13, chapter 4, the first 10 verses. Every time we turn around, God is, is nudging Moses. He's, he's trying to empower Moses. Moses, now is your time. And Moses is offering excuse after excuse after excuse of why he shouldn't do it. What causes us to make excuses like that? To say, Lord, I, I know I'm capable, but I just, I don't want to. Fear. Fear. Maybe they'll reject me like they rejected me the first time. Maybe I'm not up to the task. Maybe these excuses I'm making are truly the reality of it. Maybe I'm not who I think I am. Let me tell you this. God did not make junk. And he didn't empower his people only to see them set aside that which he has given them out of fear. What about you? spiritually. Of what are you afraid? Are you like that one talent man? You say, well, I can't do this or this or this or that. I'll just sit back and I'll not do anything. Is that what God called you to do? Ephesians 2.10 said that you are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I don't care if you have one or even half a talent. God has invested something in you and you need to act on it. And I don't care what the fear is. Transcend the fear. Rise above it. That's what Moses did. Is it, is it the challenge of some task that's been laid upon you? Has someone asked you to be involved in something? You just, you know, for fear, just said, give that opportunity to somebody else. I will tell you, when you open yourself up to the opportunities, God will give them. But the very moment you begin to reject them, you will notice precipitously that those opportunities begin to vanish. God help us. Whatever it is that we have within our hands to do, let's do it with all our might. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10. Spiritually, there are abnormal fears, but God will help us overcome them. It's also true that emotionally, abnormal fears abound and many times those fears take our happiness, our joy away. I can't imagine what the scene must have been like, but when Gideon was first gathering together his men to go against the Midianites, boy, he had a host. And I can imagine they're talking about battle readiness and how it's going to go. And God says, you ask those men who have fear to go home. And you know, Gideon, he presents it. And sure enough, the majority, 22,000 according to Judges chapter 7 and verse 3, leave and go back home out of fear. Why would you be afraid? Isn't God going to fight for you? 
Isn't this an assured victory? Who's afraid? We would think none of us. We're ready to go forward. We're ready to fight. God's on our side. Victory's assured. He's the very one who parted the seas. 22,000 go home. Well, that took the joy out of it, didn't it? Or I go to a lot of funerals. I preach a lot of funerals. We're going to be at a funeral tomorrow, aren't we? I can't predict how it will go, but I will say the majority of the funerals that I've been to, either, either as a text on one of the sheets of paper in the program or often quoted within the text of the eulogy or some other statement that's being made is Psalm 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I will fear no evil. Now, that's mentioned at a gathering of people, many of which are there to support the family, to encourage. But let's be honest, they don't want to be there because they're facing death. And as many as will be in the audience, there will be that many and perhaps many times more of people who were willing to come and visit the family, maybe in the foyer, but wanted to have nothing to do with what was going on in that parlor where that body is. Because to see that person that only a short time ago was involved in their life, now dead... Their spirit has left the physical body and only left that material shell behind. That is striking them with fear. It is bringing their mortality to light. I just don't want to deal with that. Emotionally, they're just... They're just overcome, their joy. The irony in that is that that text is not really for the dead. That, that is supposed to comfort us in a time of death. That is a text that is for the living. As we are living, we know that the Lord is walking with us in the shadow of death. He carries us through it, but man, we are so overwhelmed in the presence of death that we just can't even get our, our perspective right. If emotionally you are dealing with that kind of fear, living your life without joy and happiness, maybe it's, maybe it's because you're facing some great battle. You just want to hide. Or maybe it is you're facing your own mortality. Whatever it is, please know that God, God can help us all overcome that kind of fear. Okay, so there's a healthy fear, that kind of fear that motivates us to do good, uh, to be in a right relationship with God. And then there's that abnormal fear that just handcuffs us, keeps us from enjoying the things that God has put into our lives, put at our disposal. It keeps us from acting on the things that we know we should be doing. So let's, 
let's commit to do this. How about let's reach forward against our fear. Let's just put fear in the rear view mirror. How are we going to do that, Ken? Well, I, I would say that you're going to be able to reach forward against fear when you have perfect love. Isn't that what he said in this text? That perfect love is able to overcome it, to cancel it out, to conquer fear. He says the reason that that's true is because fear involves torment. What does he mean by that? Well, if you look back at verse 17, you actually find that John defines exactly what he means when he uses this phrase, perfect love. He says perfect love is this. It is having boldness on the day of judgment. It is that boldness that says, I see Jesus and I'm like him in this world right now. So I'm not living to ultimately be like Jesus. I'm like Jesus now. And why is that? Why is it that now in this place, looking ahead to the day of judgment, that I can do so with boldness? It is because of perfect love. In this case, it is the reciprocating love that exists between our Savior and those of us who are saved. Jesus loved us enough to die for us. And then in return, we love him enough in order to obey him, to obey the gospel and have our sins washed away. In fact, in verse 19, he says that we love him because he first loved us. So because I love Jesus and Jesus in return loves me enough to save me and I've obeyed the gospel, had my sins washed away in the power of the blood that's in baptism, I rose up in newness of life. I can boldly, not fearfully, not expecting torment, but with great boldness, knowing that I have no place in hell, but am reserved a place in heaven, I can with great triumph and, well, that word, boldness, face my future. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, that text as... John is winding down the revelation. He says, among other things, that those who are cowardly, what's that? Those who are fearful. Well, their place is not in heaven. They're reserved another place. That place of what he referred to in this text as torment. If we have perfect love, if we have that reciprocating relationship with Jesus, if we know that he died for us and now in response to that we have obeyed the gospel, then we are triumphant. And there, look, the greatest fear that we could ever have is of eternal damnation. But if that fear is set aside, then nothing, nothing should grab our attention within the realm of fear. Not even a spider this big. Not only perfect love, but understanding God's word 
is a way to reach forward against fear. You know, the Word of God is more than just some precepts to learn. That Word is supposed to penetrate us, and when it penetrates us, it becomes a part of our defense against the things that otherwise would bring fear. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Get your mind off of that which causes fear and put your mind on the Word of God, which transcends that fear, which offers us the hope of heaven someday. No torment, but the pleasures of heaven. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Hope, glorious hope, is another thing that will help us reach forward against fear. I mean, listen how Jesus speaks to his disciples in John chapter 14. Listen now, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. I mean, you do believe in God, don't you? You believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. For where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, fearfully, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? Here's what Jesus said to him. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right there it is. That is our hope. It's Jesus. And what did our text say? that what he has there, we have now in this world. It is what is empowering us to live this life without fear. And then, let's just say, faith in Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. I guess what it boils down to is, do I trust Jesus or not? Do I trust him? Has he spoken the truth to me? Is he really the way, the truth, and the life? Has he spoken the truth to me? Has he really prepared a place for me? Has he told me the truth? I'll dwell in the word that I will have this freedom. If I will obey the gospel that I'll be saved, is he telling me the truth? I believe Jesus. And it's believing in Him, along with these other things that are so beautifully connected, as you see, that we are able to reach forward against fear. Now, since you're empowered to have no fear, but to be filled with perfect love in your relationship with Jesus, then it seems to me you have an opportunity we have a world today that is engrossed in unprecedented fear. Fear of everything. You don't have that because you have perfect love. Doesn't it seem like that kind of thing ought to be infectious? But that kind of thing can free the whole world. You see people in darkness? 
Has it ever been darker? And yet Jesus says in John 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Are you facing battles? Do you feel nearly defeated? Why would you feel that way? Why would you think that? Because the Bible says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You and I, with that perfect love, are able to reach forward against fear. Maybe you're sitting there and you're hopeful, but you're still wrapped up in your fear. May I offer something to you today? How about let's make today that day, that day that we break free of our fear. That day that we decide, you know what? I'm not going to be like that one talent man I'm going to put my talent into practice. I'm not going to be like Moses. I'm not going to offer up a bunch of excuses. I'm not going to be like the 22,000 afraid and running away from my battles. I'm not going to be like that lifeless corpse at the front of the parlor. I'm going to be enlivened by the power of God. I'm going to live out my days, not in fear, but with a mind of triumph and victory. And one day, as much as we enjoy being like him now, one day we truly will see him as he really is. Is there anybody today who needs that kind of hope? Can we pray about that with you? Defeat the fear. If you need to respond to the gospel's message today, why don't you come forward while we stand together and sing.
home. My soul is sick, my heart is sore. Now I'm coming home. My strength renew, my hope restore. Lord, I'm coming home, coming home. <clears throat> Never more to roam, open wide thine arms of love. Lord, I'm coming home. Please, please. <clears throat> this time we're going to sing a song to help prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, and it'll be number 922. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find Thy power and Thine alone Can change the leopard's spot And melt the heart of storm. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in him complete I'll lay my trophies down all down at Jesus' feet Jesus paid it all all to him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow If you have need of the Lord's Supper emblems, if you please raise your hand at this time, the ushers will assist you.
Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 41, we read. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was that we were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You bow with me as we uh, pray for the loaf. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your willingness to send your son, his willingness to die for us, Lord. At this time, Lord, as we take this loaf, which represents that body, we pray that we may remove any worldly thoughts from our mind and focus our mind upon the cross and upon his agony and his sacrifice for us, Father. In Christ's name, amen. pray. Father, as we continue this remembrance, we, we are mindful of the blood, the blood that Christ so willingly died for us, Lord. We pray that we would do so in a way that be worthy in your sight. In Christ's name, amen.
I want to invite you to come back this evening. One of our missionaries, Don Roberson, is going to be speaking to all of our adult classes. So the class that meets in the annex usually will meet in here. Uh, he's going to be sharing with us the work that he's been doing with 21st Century Missions. He is one of our major efforts in the world. So you get a glimpse of what your part in the work that's being done here at Boonville is doing throughout the world. I think it's very exciting. Can't wait to hear his report and look forward to speaking with him. I just hope you'll take the time tonight to be a part of that. Good morning and welcome to the Sunday morning services here at the Boonville Church of Christ on this beautiful Sunday morning, June the 4th, 2023. We had 289 in services this morning. I have several announcements. All college aides that are going to Dismal Canyons today need to meet in the annex immediately after services this morning. So if you're going to Dismal Canyons, when, you, when service is over, head down to the annex. Drew Bruce and Chris Parsons are taking the youth group, the seventh grade through the 12th grade, to singing in the park in Winfield, Alabama tonight after services. They need a head count to determine how many vehicles they're going to need. So if you're planning on going to singing in the park tonight, you need to see Drew or Chris this morning and let them know you're going. The kindergarten through the sixth grade and their families will have picnic and play at Swift Park here in Boonville tonight following the, the evening services. Bring your own supper. And the ladies who plan to attend TLC need to meet in the little chapel immediately following the morning worship service today. Also, the deacons have a meeting this morning in the conference center downstairs immediately following the morning worship service. Sympathy is extended to the family of Don Dawson who passed from this life Friday morning. Visitation for Don will be at Keesler Funeral Home here in Boonville at 10 a.m. tomorrow, Monday. And the funeral will be at 12 noon tomorrow at the Boonville Chapel of Keesler Funeral Home. That is all the announcements I have this morning. Would you please stand for our close, well, hang on one second. family will be providing a meal for the Dawson's after the funeral. I think there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer if you would like to participate in helping with food for that. Thank you. Would you please stand for our closing prayer? Our dear, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do once again thank you for a beautiful day that you've given us and the opportunity we've had to come out and study your word once again. Lord, we pray that what we've heard, may we apply it to our lives, and may as a result, 
we better serve you. Thank you most of all, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we have sinned against you. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.